Hello and welcome. This is the Bariatric Eating Real Talk podcast, and I'm Susie Shaw. If you are new to our podcast, bariatric eating is more than just talk. We support nearly a million post-ops in our premium support group, which you can join if you like after you listen. I'll tell you where you can find us at the end of this episode. We've created the most successful plan for bariatric regain on the planet. There's not a doctor's program or hospital plan or anyone who has addressed regain and the regain crisis with anywhere near our success rate. Thousands of people have used our inspired diet along with our help and our support to take their lives back even when it seemed like things were hopeless. Those who help you in our group are post-ops. We've had regain, so we know how it feels, but we've also lost that regain, and we can help you find your way back into those smaller clothes that are in your closet. We have specific tools for you. We'll help you set goals, create food lists, we even have meals for you to eat, and our own product lines. So we go beyond ideas and help you in real time with real tools that really work. Our support is made up of people who are just like me, and collectively, we've spent the past 20 years helping post-ops lose regain and learn to change their habits so that the weight stays off for good, and I'm pretty sure we can help you too. So let's get started. Do you remember in your initial pre-operation classes, and maybe even from support groups that you were a part of um, earlier in your journey, that there was always a push to practice mindful eating? And it makes sense, right? But a lot of people don't really understand what it is, and then it's explained to them as being, you know, taking your time, eating slow, taking little bites, chewing a lot. Um, But that's not all it is. It's a little bit more complex than that. I was watching a British reality show. Um, It's on YouTube. Anyways, and um, they focus... The concept of the show is that they focus on people who want to lose weight, but they're stuck somehow, and they really can't figure out why they're not losing the weight that they want to lose. So they get actual private detectives and stuff like that to kind of follow them around and um, record what they're doing and talk to their friends and, and follow them around. And it's, it's really kind of interesting to see, but they actually uncover their day-to-day habits. And of course, what do you know? Most of the people on the show are totally overeating without even realizing what they're eating. Um, as far as like the quantity and what kinds of food and stuff like that. And it's true in our own real like non-reality TV show, especially as post-ops. How many of you out there, and I can add myself into this, this category, but how many of us have thought, why am I not a size zero? I hardly ever eat. And um, a lot of the times, you know, when we think those things, you know, it's either just before or just after we've done something silly like squirt whipped cream on top of sugar-free Jello. Or um, pulled up to the drive-thru at Starbucks to get a skinny latte on the, work to, on the way to work right after we had breakfast. Um, and there's nothing wrong with a skinny latte, latte, but you have to realize that it's like 150 calories. Even though it's sugar-free, that's still calories on top of the meal that you just ate. So if you're trying to lose weight, that may not be the right choice for you every single day or even every other day. It all just depends. But anyways, that's like a whole nother podcast. Um, but how many how many people um, out there listening right now have realized that like 8 p.m. time, you know, where you're sitting on the TV, the kitchen's clean, everyone's, everything's kind of quiet and you're relaxed and you get that kind of like, oh, I'm kind of hungry. And you know in your heart that dinner was at 6.30. So you're still kind of hungry though. So you make kind of a little plate of cheese and crackers and you're just going to have just like one or two of the crackers, Right. The rest of crackers are for your husband or your partner or or whoever you're watching TV with. But we do that. We munch on things before we go to bed as like a snack sometimes. 
our day-to-day habits, those things that we do every day, that's what makes us or breaks us. That's And, and that's pretty common sense, too. And if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that. It's, it's those little things that we do every day that add up to success or add up to regain or add up to staying the same, adding up to not, not changing, all of that stuff. Our actions breed our results. And... Um, you know, if I'm being so blunt because we are talking about mindful eating and, and weight loss and stuff like that, I also need to acknowledge something that comes up a lot, especially recently too, because I think those, that there's a style right now where people are carrying around those giant jugs of water and a lot of people are attributing their lack of progress with not being able to drink enough water. They didn't get their water in for the day. It's not the water that's keeping us from shrinking out of our clothes. It's what you're chewing on that makes that difference the food that you eat. So back to my, my point now that I've kind of rambled on a little bit. Um, what the heck is mindful eating and how do we practice it? Or more honestly speaking, how do we actually learn it as, as something that we can do? So early out in our weight loss and bariatric journey, we learned that to eat mindfully, we need to do the following. Take very small bites. Some of us were even advised to buy baby spoons and silly things like that. But small bites... And then put your fork down or put your spoon down and then chew really, really well. Even if the food is mush already, chew until that food's actually liquid. And then swallow, pause a minute or two, and then repeat over and over again until your food is gone, right? That's mindful eating. Some of us were even told that there was another stage to that, that we might need to set a timer or watch the clock because these slow, careful meals also aren't supposed to last longer than 25 or 30 minutes. Now, for those of you who weren't trained that way, I was one of the ones that was trained that way with my second surgery, but not with my first one. It's kind of a doctor by doctor thing, but it's it's the truth, I think. Um, when you keep eating beyond that 25-minute mark, you're just pushing the food right out of your pouch or your sleeve, and you're actually overeating. So you really have to be careful of how long you're eating for. Um, that's why you can eat so much if you sit there long enough, but if you slow down, you can't eat as much after about five bites. You know what I mean? You take your time and you can't eat as much, but if you sit there, you like can eat it all, right? I hope that makes sense. Anyways, um, but even even more advanced than that concept, some of us may be even being told, to, well, we're doing all of those things, the small bites, chew well, put your fork down, watch the clock. We also need to put our phones down, turn off the TV, turn off the radio, put away the iPad, the computer, the tablets, just sit there and enjoy our meals. And all of those things that I've talked about are correct. Those are ways to eat mindfully. But why is all of this so important for us? Well, back to that particular episode of the the TV show that I was watching, the participants on that show were doing a lot of eating in their cars while they were prepping meals, while they were sitting around the TV, while they were um, at their desks at work. And um, I know a lot of you might be kind of nodding along at that because that's kind of how a lot of us tend to eat too. And, and I say us because, you know, I've been in the support groups for a long time. I see our posts and stuff like that. I'm just like you are. We've all, we are all guilty of grabbing something on the run to eat, all that fun stuff. How many of us grab a snack to, um, on our way to pick up the kids at school? How many of us have sat there in the office and smelled that 3 p.m. popcorn popping a few desks down? And we get to make our own snack. And it doesn't really matter what your snack is um, if you're eating cucumbers Um, and not eating the popcorn, if you're eating because somebody else is eating something that smells good, you're eating too much. And that's just a fact. 
Um, but yeah, that's actually mindless eating that eating while we're in the car, that eating just because something smells good. Um, that's not really eating because you're ready for a meal and, and you're being mindful of what you want. And on the show, they actually had a psychologist talk about how easy it is for us to eat and forget that we're eating. To prove the point, they took two very typical families made up of the same number of people and the basic age range of people and brought in a really nice supper for them. The meals were absolutely identical with one exception. One family was seated down at their kitchen table. They had no phones, no books, no computers. All of that fun stuff was turned off. They were just told to eat together without any distractions. The second family was given a DVD to watch along with their meal. And again, it's the exact same meal. And I want to mention again that these, are, these families were the same size and age group. So they weren't comparing a family of two with a family of five and toddlers to teenagers or anything like that. But the second family was encouraged to eat the meal in front of their TV while watching whatever it was on that DVD that they were given. So once the meal was over, both families were then given um, a board game to play as well as bowls of some snacks. There was like chips and candy, all totally junk food. And again, one family stayed at the table to play the game and one family stayed near the TV while they played the games. So at the end of the game, the people providing all of this cool stuff actually measured out how much of the snacks that both groups were given, um, like how much of the snacks that were left over so that they could see who ate more during the game. And what do you know? The family who ate dinner in front of the TV and then played a game in front of the TV while having the snacks ate way more. It was actually double the amount of snacks that the other family ate. And both families had, include, had consumed an entire meal right before the game. So when the psychologist came back and questioned everybody, um, they did it individually, of course, they didn't want to point it out to the different families and stuff like that. But um, the TV-watching family was obviously shocked, and every single one of them, even the kids, said that they really didn't realize that they were snacking at all, let alone eating so much of the snacks that they did eat. And the family that ate at the table and played the game at the table said that they enjoyed the snacks. They were good. But since they just had dinner, they really weren't hungry. So they didn't really notice the snacks and they weren't called to eat the snacks. They actually said repeatedly, several members of the family, even the kids said, well, I just ate my dinner. I wasn't hungry for more snacks. And the other family said specifically they didn't realize that they were eating. You see what I mean there? There's a big difference, isn't it? So the outcome for this little experiment proved that when we pay attention to the act of eating, we eat less. We also do things like remember that we ate it all. And it sounds pretty basic and common sense, right? Like, I mean, how could you forget that you're eating? But honestly, how many times have you also opened up a bag of pork rinds while you're on a car trip? And then you look down a little while later and you realize that there's like one left in the bag and you didn't realize that you'd eaten so many of them. Or you grabbed your lunch to eat at your desk so you can wrap up that report that's due at the end of the day, only to look down at your plate and realize that it's done, but you're not really as satisfied as you should be, even though you know that it was a big lunch. And if you've... Um, if you've listened to our other podcast episodes, you know by now that the act of eating and the sensation, that the, I'm sorry, the sensation of various food textures in our mouths contribute to our mental satisfaction once the meal is over. And that mental satisfaction is a huge part of our relationship with food. If we aren't satisfied in all areas, both mental and physical, we're still going to be looking for that, that fix. We're, we're going to be looking to fix that feeling so that we are satisfied. 
whether it's a physical satisfaction or a mental satisfaction. And it happens to the best of us because when we're not thinking about food, we're literally eating mindlessly, no matter how small our fork is or how long we chew for. So next, I want to address another aspect about how we eat and how we could be eating more mindfully. And specifically, it has to do with how we choose to serve our food. On that same British reality series, but like a different episode, um, the same psychologist led an an experiment where they got two groups of people together and they separated them into two different groups, of course, and they served them the exact same foods. One group had their meal served at a nice banquet table, um, family style, meaning that they served, they sat around a large table with like platters of food and bowls of food, and they just kind of dished out onto their own plates as they sat there. The other group went to another area with it where the exact same foods, the same quantity of foods, was set up in um, a buffet style, and the group built their plates of food and then went back to the table. And there was actually a flight of stairs and like a walk across a large room to get to that buffet. So there was a bit of a process to get to and from the food. It wasn't as simple as just like kind of getting up and turning around or anything like that. And again, these were the same kind of demographic people. Um, They weren't measuring toddlers to teenagers or, um, you know, very, very large people to very, very slim people or anything like that. And they did measure, again, how much of every food they started out with for both groups. And at the end of the experiment, when everybody was done eating, they remeasured what was left to see which group ate more. And I know I was, and I think everybody would expect, especially in the United States, that the buffet diners would have eaten more food. Because in most people's minds, buffet meals means overeating, right? The actual outcome had the people who were eating family style to have eaten almost double what the group of buffet eaters had eaten. The experiment proved that when food is out of sight, we eat less of it. But when there's food in front of us, we'll eat it. And it's, it's, again, it's another simple concept that um, when you start to think about it, kind of a light bulb goes off, I think. But think about this scenario, right? You're at the store and they have some lovely cookies. Or if you prefer, if you prefer kind of savory things, not sweet stuff, maybe a little, a little box of savory buttery rolls. And those little, you know, those little clamshell containers, and they're on that special bakery counter um, or table right when you walk in the store. So you get them and you put them on your counter once you get home, you know, for your husband or your mother-in-law or whoever you live with, for them, right? Not for you. We've all done it. Um, We all, and, and even though it wasn't for us, we all think, oh, that's a nice treat for my whoever. And we've convinced ourselves that, um... They don't need to eat like us, so why not just buy them, buy it for them, right? And as we all had that kind of minute kind of um, justification in the store, I think. Anyways, so you put them down on the counter for them, and what do you know? For the next four days, every single time you walk into the kitchen, or even when you walk past the kitchen, you have to have a fight with yourself to not have any of those things, right? And you know the argument, too, as well as I do. You'll just take a bite and toss the rest, or maybe you'll even cut one in half so you don't waste it, Right? Now, have you ever bought something kind of similar to that, something that you didn't intend to eat for yourself and put it in the pantry or the cabinet um, for whatever reason? You didn't put it on display. You put it away. And like weeks later, even longer, you stumble upon it when it's all dried up and hard and sort of laugh at yourself because you forgot it was there. We've all run into that kind of box of cookies or crackers that got pushed to the side and forgotten about until we cleaned out our pantry, right? But out of sight is actually very accurate. Out of sight, out of mind, right? Um, it's the same way with family style eating. 
It's really nice to sit down at a table and put those nice platters and large bowls that you got for your wedding gift and have a nice meal with everybody, especially if it's people that you love or you're really close to or maybe you haven't seen in a long time. But think about how much easier it is for you to just have another taste of something because it's there in front of you. And here I'm not just talking about the foods that you shouldn't be eating or problematic foods. I'm talking about just eating because there's food there, even though you're pretty much satisfied and full. You know, just another bite of that broccoli. It was seasoned so well and cooked perfectly. Just another little sliver of that taco pie because it was just so good. That's mindless eating too. Because it's there and you're looking at it. So you eat it, not because you're eating it because of you have actual hunger. I feel like now is also a good point in time to bring up that all calories matter. And many of us who have regained do so on good weight loss surgery kind of approved foods like protein and vegetables because we simply ate too much of them. So here's, I've got some specific tips on how you can improve mindful eating and kind of put that into practice that addresses some of the scenarios that we talked about and some, you know, real life stuff just to kind of sum it up a little bit. For family meals or even parties and gatherings, arrange those beautiful platters that you've got in your cabinets and those little serving bowls and stuff like that nicely in the kitchen on the counters to create a little buffet. This creates a point of focus while you're making your plate, but also removes that temptation to have just another taste while you're sitting there talking after everyone's finished their meal. Um, Because getting up to get more is going to mean excusing yourself, getting up, going over, coming back. So there's like back and forth. There's several choices in the chain that have to be made there. And we have, when we have the food right in front of our plates, we can just reach out and scoop without even thinking twice, interrupting the conversation or anything. So that mindful action of moving or not moving really, really helps kind of helps us to avoid temptation. And the second one is to clean off your counters. Seriously, there's no need to have food on your counters. Even things like protein powder and and protein bars should be in the pantry with the doors shut with the rest of your food. Keeping um, Keeping food out like that is actually creating an environment of easy access and actually creates a situation in our minds where we don't have to think twice about eating something. Make your meals matter more by making them a choice. Putting some effort into going to the cabinet, getting it out, Going back to the counter, getting a shaker or a small bowl or a napkin or whatever means you won't just grab a handful of nuts because they're there. You're you're going to think twice as you're eating. And that means that you're going to remember that you ate because you had to put some effort into it. And therefore, you'll be more likely to equate that snack or that meal or whatever it was with actual eating. And you're going to remember that you ate for longer. That mental satisfaction is what I'm talking about. That, that, that's what's going to happen because you, you put so much effort into eating. There's a memory that's been created, and that will help us to avoid temptation as well as help us to avoid overeating in that moment. And you know this next one's coming. Uh, as soon as I started talking, but you knew what I was going to say. But um, you've got to stop eating at the TV. I know it's really nice to tuck in and watch a movie with your dinner, and a lot of us were raised that way. However, you have to understand that eating like that should be an exception to how you normally eat and not the norm. It's not an everyday thing. By exception, I mean something that happens once every three or four months. Not every other day, certainly not every day. And in that same frame of mind, while you're plating your meals, leave your phones, your tablets, your computers, your radios, your iPods, whatever. Leave it all in the kitchen. Don't bring it to the table. 
Speaking of tables, if you don't already have one, consider getting a family table to eat at. You don't have to spend a fortune. and You can even dress up like a folding table with a tablecloth. But create a nice space to eat with your family. I think we all have that kind of grandmother or maybe a fancy auntie who had that really inviting kitchen table that when, as soon as you walked in their house, everyone sat around their table. And um, you had your meals there and you just have so many warm memories of that. Go ahead and recreate a space like that. Again, it doesn't have to be fancy. Get some colorful salt and pepper shakers or maybe some placemats. When you go grocery shopping, grab one of those $5 bouquets, those, even those cheap neon colored ones that they have in the floral department at the grocery store. Put them in a vase just to dress things up a little bit. You really don't have to spend a lot of money to do this. But I know for a fact that nice, nice decorations and tablecloths, placemats, you can get those at like dollar stores and stuff like that. And it really does make a difference. It makes a difference in how you feel. Makes it, it gives you kind of a sense of pride and respect and stuff like that. It's just a nice thing, even for everyday stuff. Give it a shot. And the next one is um, a tip that I believe wholeheartedly in. You have to understand your own body. Episode 17 of our podcast series goes into some fantastic detail on breaking down when to start eating and more importantly, when to stop it. So if you haven't listened to that episode, go go listen to it right after this one. You, you really can learn something, I think. Even if it's been a long time since you've listened to it, it, it will help. Um, and I think this is the last one, but I want you to make a pledge to yourself that you're going to stop doing the following. If, if um, you really want to start practicing mindful eating, stop eating in your car. It's a huge issue for a lot of people. It, it is a huge issue for a lot of people. And I'm not just speaking about short car runs and silly snacks and stuff like that. I'm also speaking about long road trips. A lot of us take those, um, especially with the holidays approaching and stuff like that. But you have to make a plan to stop when you're on these road trips. Get out, stretch your legs, have a proper meal. Again, it doesn't have to be pricey. Pack a picnic and eat it at a rest stop if you need to. But you've got to start honoring yourself and treating yourself to a proper meal even when you're traveling, especially when you're traveling. Stop and sit back and kind of take things in. You also need to stop eating while standing at the fridge trying to figure out what to cook. Stop killing time by running by your fridge and opening up and having a bite of this or a drink of that or anything like that. Basically, any time that you're not sitting down to, at a table to eat, you need to stop eating like that. I know that we're all busy, but if you don't have 10 minutes to sit down in a chair at a table and eat your snack, you don't have time for a snack. And that's okay. It's okay to be a little bit hungry. We've talked about that in previous episodes. Hunger's not going to kill you. Just wait until you can sit down and have a proper meal so that you can remember that you had a meal, so that the meal counts, so that you taste it better, so that you don't overeat. All of those things that we've talked about. I also want to remind you that you're a wonderful person and you deserve to enjoy your food too. Just eating fast and quick and on the run all the time, that's not nice. Give back to yourself by committing to focusing on the food that you put into your mouth by stopping and eating with all of your senses so that the meal or the snack lasts. Now, before I close up, I I saved this for the last part because I want my words to hit home. A lot of us, and I mean a staggering majority of people in the weight loss surgery community, call specifically to food addiction as well as emotional eating, and some of the ones who are a little bit more in touch with themselves also point towards binge eating as being an issue both when they were pre-ops, and um, many of us attribute all of those things or some of those things to the start of where their regain journey was and a failure to maintain that goal weight. Um, Binge eating, food addictions, emotional eatings, 
those are all very closely related. But the one thing that they share, the one thing that they all have in common is that all of those behaviors boil down to eating a quantity of food in a short time. And very rarely does any of that um, have anything to do with actual hunger. When we practice mindful eating and take the time to focus on that long enough to make it a habit, we can actually prevent many of the triggers, for lack of a better word, that food addicts, binge eaters, and emotional eaters find that set off that binge or whatever that trigger is to set them off. Mindful eating gives us a good measure of impulse control. And that control is what a lot of people tend to crave when they're trying to recover from a regain or just get on back on track after a couple days. And I can speak directly to that. If you've listened long enough here, you know that I've spoken about my weight, my own issues with weight loss, with eating, with food, and that I had a significant regain. And not unlike you, I often struggle. But that control, that craving of control, getting that control back, that's what I wanted the most. While I wanted very much to be a normal weight and get into my smaller clothes and all of that good stuff, I wanted to be in control of the food and not let the food control me. That is the main bonus of mindful eating. When we eat mindfully, we are taking back our control. Once you've got that back, everything snaps into place and it's a lot easier to focus on your goals. So with that, I'm going to close here and always I want to thank you so much for listening. I also want to urge you to take my words to heart. I think that they can help you. Come join us in our support groups. We can hold your hand and we will help you through this. We can always be found on our website, and that's located at www.bariatriceating.com. Once you're there, do a keyword search for podcasts, and you'll be able to find all of the podcast episodes listed with little notes for everyone. For this episode, I'm going to add some links to our premium support group. Come join us there. I'd love to help you. Um, I'll also add a link for episode 17 of this podcast series. That's one that talks about portion sizes and hunger. And, of course, the Inspire Diet so that you can get started on your goals to get rid of your regain for good. And if you have a question that you'd like me to tackle in an upcoming episode, please send me an email at ask, A-S-K, at bariatriceating.com. And just to remind you, we're not just talk. Our articles, our recipes, and our website have been helping post-ops for nearly 20 years. And it will help you, too. So please come check out our website. Don't forget to review and subscribe to our podcast so that you're always updated as soon as episodes are available. And please, if you enjoyed today's episode, pass it on to someone you think may also find it helpful. And I'll talk to you soon.